Alexander Marlowe, Editor-in-Chief of Breitbart News, and this is the Breitbart News Daily Podcast. We begin today's show with a discussion of the film My Son Hunter, which is being distributed by Breitbart News and will be available in a few weeks. Go to mysonhunter.com. I also mentioned part six of my Summer of Rage series on the violent pro-abortion left, which has seemingly not captured the attention of President Unity and his administration. And then we get into some media news with Brian Stelter out at CNN. MSNBC has declared that we're in a civil war. We're not. And Biden's polling is still not good, though he has built a big, beautiful new wall around his house. Our woke update today features an attempted cancellation of Thomas Jefferson and a man is on the cusp of joining the LPGA. And, you know, I'm not joking. Our guest today, Congressman Greg Murphy, Republican from North Carolina, is also a medical doctor. And we discuss monkeypox misinfo, the latest on the pandemic, which is now, I guess, an endemic. And we get into how Biden's agenda could hamper medical care providers and what he believes the IRS will do with all their newfound powers. All done today's show. Let's get into it. The big news of the weekend, though, did occur Thursday night, and it was so big that I actually jumped on to this Friday show, even though I didn't host, to do an interview with Jerome as a guest. And um, thanks, as always, for Jerome to Jerome for filling in when he he does, because Breitbart is entering the film distribution business. <sighs> so there's a movie coming out called My Son Hunter, and we are the distributors of the film. And the director is Robert Davi, who many of you know. He is a contributor to Breitbart and has been since 2009. And he is a Hollywood veteran, best known for a License to Kill, a Bond movie, um, Die Hard, maybe his most iconic role. Also, The Goonies, those of you who are into that cult classic, and many, many other credits to his name. And he's been outspoken conservative for a long time. Um, he's also known for... He has an album out where he sings uh, Sinatra covers. He's just all around very interesting guy and uh, the interesting American. And he directed the movie and stars Lawrence Fox, who is one of the most prominent right of center activists in the UK, but is also an actor. And Gina Carano, who's known for The Mandalorian and Deadpool and a bunch of other stuff, has a huge following online because she got canceled for being, you know, having basic right of center viewpoints. Um, and the and, and many others. There's, the casting is just is just superb in this. It's incredibly well shot. It, it looks very beautiful. It is objectively hilarious, and uh, you will have a lot of fun being completely outraged about your country, which is pretty necessary, I think, at this moment because a lot of outrageous stuff happening in this country, and it is uh, we laugh so we don't cry, and that's what will happen in this movie. It is a deadly serious subject matter, and it's taken seriously, but it's also a uh, Pretty, pretty hilarious and very historically literate. It, you'll be shocked when you watch it. And I assume you do want to watch it because it is not just an exciting movie. It's a great way to support Breitbart. Uh, you go to mysonhunter.com right now to pre-order. Um, but it is a, a you're, you're shocked at how many crazy things the Biden family did that you uh, had forgotten. 
there's so many. I mean, the list is just so long that it, you you lost track. At least I did. So uh, it's impressive stuff. You will you will like it. Uh, that I can I can promise you. And if it sparks some discussion, then that will be um, uh, all, all, all the better, all the better. So that's coming up and you can get all the details of mysonhunter.com, but it's just a few weeks out from the launch and we'll have more updates for you, of course, on the show. Uh, but we're going to get a full trailer later in the week and September 7th is when you can get it. So you can pre-purchase now, which is a great way to help us out and recommend it to 10,000 friends and family members. So uh, yes, of course, this uh, we're hoping is the beginning of something much bigger, something I think Andrew Breitbart, as I said on the program with Jerome on Friday, would have wanted to do, and now we're doing it. And it's interesting because you got to start these things because the name of the game now, the strategy for media companies right now is to create a content catalog. And this is why so many of you probably spend money on Disney Plus or on things like that or woke Netflix because they have all this stuff that you just can't get away from. Like Disney's got all the classic Disney, the Pixar movies and the Marvel movies and the Star Wars stuff. And it just, some of you just, just because they're woke, you're not going to do away with that stuff. You're not going to not have it. Um, and this is one of the biggest things you can do as a media company right now is just to try to get content like that and have ownership of it. And so we've got to start the process. It is time. And this was the perfect movie uh, to do it because it's it's so pro. It's very Hollywood and it should be entertaining to everyone. But it certainly has the right of center audience in mind and doesn't condescend to the audience, which is so often the case with most Hollywood movies now is they're they're uh, so often stupid and they are so often um, woke. And uh, this is neither of those things, needless to say. And I was thinking about this because HBO Max is, which uh, the HBO Max is the HBO streaming service, which has uh, apparently lots of Sesame Street episodes because when you guys think HBO, you think Sesame Street. I know I do. And they're removing 200 older classic Sesame Streets. And I just don't understand this. I guess maybe they've, maxed out i'm wondering if there's we're going to find that these episodes they're moving are are um not woke enough uh because recall that sesame street is canceling characters now that are ethnic because they're seen as a pandering or stereotypical or stuff like that so they they put these characters in uh, i think one of them is rosita which was to try to pander to the latinxes and then as it turned out it was too pandery and then i guess it was too stereotypical so they got to pull that one so as the woke wars continue in Hollywood, it is really great that uh, we're going to start getting involved. Um, all right. So other big story from over the weekend, Brian Stelter is gone from Reliable Sources and out of CNN entirely. Um, I was on Reliable Sources once, I think it was in 2015, and I enjoyed it. You can find that clip online. Uh, they invited me on for what they liked, invite me on for a while on CNN, which was to trash Fox News, which, as you guys know, I've never been shy about doing that when they deserve it. And they deserved it a lot because they were trying to take out Trump at the time and they were being wildly unfair to Trump. And that's what I was talking about. And CNN thought that was useful because they didn't take Trump seriously at the time. And I did. Um, but we had the mutual uh, dissatisfaction with Fox for different reasons. Um, but it is a, a pretty enduring media brand, reliable sources, and that's gone. And uh, it was ruined by Stelter, but it wasn't really ruined by Stelter. It was ruined by Jeff Zucker. And Stelter, who was a 
as I've said this before, a terrific reporter before he was at CNN. He was at the New York Times and he covered um, morning shows and he had his own media blog uh, prior to that. And he broke a ton of news. And especially for even though he looked like he was a thousand years old, he was only in his mid 20s when all that was happening. And then he got a pretty dream job in terms of people who cover the media, which is uh, hosting reliable sources on CNN, having a newsletter and having a lot of institutional support, but too much institutional support because he was seen as pretty much in lockstep with Jeff Zucker, who was uh, 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 ousted earlier this year. So it seemed pretty automatic Seltzer was going to get the boot, but he just hung on for oh, such a while, uh, which leads me to believe they don't really have a great battle plan over at CNN on what to do with their woke and discredited network. Um, so he signed off on it and we've got a clip of it. I'll save the clips and I'll use time for headlines, but uh, Dan Gaynor will be here and I'll expand on this some more, get Gaynor's thoughts in the second hour of the live broadcast. Um, but what is noteworthy is not just that Stelter who clearly had no place, uh, being on TV in general, but they had no place in the company without Jeff Zucker there, but what's noteworthy is who survived, you know, uh, uh, Oliver Darcy, who is his sidekick, who is um, uh, in in a way a less charismatic version of Stelter, which is pretty hard to believe. Uh, Jim Acosta will stay as far as we know. Don Lamone will stay as far as we know. So people who were seen as news people, um, but then eventually became pretty much uh, uh, left-wing pundits, uh, John Berman, another very bright person who spouts off all sorts of uh, in, insane anti-Trump stuff all the time and anti-Republican stuff. Wolf Blitzer, why? Who is needs more Wolf Blitzer? Who needs more Wolf Blitzer? Um, Jake Tapper, Aaron Burnett, a lot of the people who are smug and think they're smarter than you and are not smarter than you and uh, are very one-sided and have only gotten worse at their jobs as they've been at CNN, they're all going to stay. So... Um, John Nolte wrote for us at Breitbart News that he mocked this whole thing that you can fire Stelter, um, but you can keep the likes of Darcy and Jake Tapper and Brianna Keeler and think that you're going to you're going to save the network. And he says CNN cannot return to anything resembling weight ratings glory without a full enema. And that's never going to happen. He's so right about this. That's exactly right. Um, and it's not just CNN, though, that is nutty. MSNBC's Tiffany Cross was hosting Joy, Joy Reid's show called The Readout. And she said that I would say a civil war is here. So it could again, could you guys imagine if I came into this show and said there is a civil war? Not something like an ideological civil war or it feels like we're at odds with each other. Um, I, th- I think all that's true and fair but it's a there's no there was no context that was added i'll play that clip later uh in the show as well um but basically the the civil war is because of and she says i don't mean to be hyperbolic we can look at what happened just in the past week alone since all of this happened we've had two people tried to clear war with the fbi field offices so basically it's that two people showed up at at the fbi um, very angry, presumably about what was done to the former president, and that constitutes a civil war. So a, a couple of rogue people who are crazy and are triggered by the wildly unfair treatment of Donald Trump, 
that we're witnessing, which again, there's still no explanation that has been offered to the public. Why the former president of the United States for the first time in the history of the FBI was raided at his home. There was no explanation of why, of the timing of what, what they got. And it's been a couple of weeks. And the, but the civil war, I guess, was declared by, you know, two, two nuts who showed up at the FBI. Remember, nuts show up everywhere in the United States. And a lot of them are more organized than uh, these two, two. I didn't even know there was two. I guess there was one. My evidence of this is the reporting I've done over the past month or so on the summer of rage. Um, we posted part six on Saturday evening. This is maybe my most important uh, 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 installment of the series. This is my deep dive into Ruth sent us and Jane's Revenge, the two sort of amorphous and mostly mysterious groups that are uh, behind, at least ideologically, if not organizationally, uh, some of the rash of violence that we've seen against crisis pregnancy centers, against churches, against synagogues um, over the over over the, the, the summer, really in the spring since the Dobbs leak uh, took place, where part of Justice Alito's draft opinion or his draft opinion for uh, the Dobbs case, which ended up overturning Roe versus Wade, since that was leaked. And I go through some examples of some of the worst incidences of the more than a hundred attacks that we've seen. But of those attacks, the 34 of them have been on churches thus far that we know of. Uh, in 53 in crisis pregnancy centers, many of those are affiliated with religious communities. And the latest example of this occurred just last week where uh, we saw a, a vandal scrawl, Jane's Revenge, and if abortions aren't safe, neither are you, at the Bethlehem House, which is a crisis pregnancy center in East Hampton, Massachusetts. Now, this is the type of place that does radical stuff to, like, for example, provide wipes, car seats, strollers, blankets, clothing, and other essential stuff for people so that they encourage you to have a baby. That's what they want to do. They want to make it as easy as possible for you to choose life instead of aborting your children. And this is seen as so offensive to the left that they uh, scrawl things like abort America, Jane's revenge, anarchy symbols, and they do damage, intimidation, they cost money, um, and they've come up with this creative thing where they try not to uh, uh, harm human beings because they that way, if they harm human beings, it'll become a bigger national story. So they just harm buildings and uh, grounds and facilities for the most part. Um, and they intimidate people to try to discourage you from uh, uh, supporting them or going there or feeling like it's dangerous. That's what they want you to do. It's an intimidation campaign. It is not highly organized, but it's somewhat organized and some of it is thriving online. Um, I pointed out in a, a prior installment how t they figured out a way to organize on Twitter and Twitter doesn't seem to care. Of course, I reached out for Twitter for comment. They don't even bother to respond. Like how these things are uh, getting advertised on there and promoted really on Twitter. Boy, it would have been nice if that Elon Musk was serious. Man, too bad. Too bad that didn't work out, him buying Twitter. But this latest one is another one where they're, 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 they're going after a religious facility. 
and it got some local coverage and conservative media coverage and minimal coverage beyond that. And that's pretty much the standard. And this is how this has been. Uh, the FBI did announce in late July that they're doing some sort of an investigation, but they gave zero details on what the investigation is. And we've had no updates as far as I can tell since then. And other than that, Zippo from the Biden administration and the federal government. You had over 100 incidents. Upside down crosses. There was a stolen tabernacle, the state Augustine Catholic Church in Brooklyn, New York. I, I document some of the worst examples in the latest series. But the violence against a religious community that is so widespread in the United States of America, and we can't get Joe Biden to weigh in on it, we can't get the Biden administration to comment on it, Aside from it maybe comes up in a press conference, they get something vague on it. But in the meantime, you get over at MSNBC, um, uh, people like Frank Figliuzzi, formerly of the FBI, suggesting that the, the, if Trump's indicted, it'll create a threat worse than post 9-11 America. Him with John Heilman and others. Michael Steele, who used to run the Republican Party, acting like it's Trump who is actually the one who's creating a climate that makes it uh, the, the likelihood of violence worse than 9-11. When we're sitting here and we're witnessing violence against Christians and conservatives because they want to give out free stuff for babies to encourage mothers to have babies versus scrambling their brains and vacuuming them out while they're still in the, in the womb. They think of hypothetical crimes that Trump supporters could make and they ignore actual crimes that are taking place throughout the land. Suspect was accused of fatally attacking a disabled man in, in Seattle and then was freed eight days. He had been freed eight days earlier by a judge. Seattle, another pretty beautiful place, lots of industry, and people are fleeing there at a rate similar to what we're seeing in the big cities in LA. I mean, sorry, in California. Store owners in San Francisco's Chinatown are training their staff in Kung Fu to fight crime. That's a pretty good call. I, you know, if you knew the staff was trained in Kung Fu, of course, you know, if you have a gun, you can get around most of that. But I still like that idea because it just seems like if they know everyone can kick butt, then they should probably try a different, a different store, right? Master Marlowe has enrolled in karate, and he is now a more experienced martial artist than I ever was. I think I took three kung fu classes growing up. So Master Marlowe has now had four karate classes. Um, and it is unbelievably fun and hilarious to watch a four-year-old do it. Uh, no one could get the belt of his gi correct. No one. It's the, uh, uh, I tied the belt, didn't work. One of the moms who was more knowledgeable tried the belt there. Remember, Mrs. Dr. Marlowe was out. She was at work over the weekend. Um, and then even Sensei came in, interrupted the class to tie his belt, kept sliding off of him. He's got a very slim, slim build at this point. A little bit of a string bean, Master Marlowe. But he's got the perfect approach. He's having a great time with it, but he also is genuinely trying to do the moves. So that, that, that is, and perhaps he could help defend some stores in San Francisco. Uh, but I will tell you something that was exciting is that uh, we got the, I had to bring, of course, the whole family and Master Marlowe Jr. did find the nunchucks and he, the training nunchucks, 
and he was kind of swinging them around and he was distracting the other kids because the other kids I think would have rather stopped doing the stuff that takes discipline and start swinging the nunchucks around like the foam nunchuck. What could be more fun than waving around a foam nunchuck if you're a small child? Nothing. Oh, well, maybe breaking a board if you can do that. All right, that is a that is a long digression, but I think I think important in many ways. All right, half of Americans, according to a survey, half American companies are set to cut jobs after a hiring spree. I was thinking of this in the context of Ron Klain and Susan Rice taking the lead as Biden has disappeared. He's been on vacation for two weeks. As you guys know, I'm fine with Biden being on vacation. I, I think that it infuriates the press who elected him. Um, and he probably does more damage when he's when he's there than when he's not. It also reminds you of what a weakling he is and what a bad look it is for our country, which I think does matter to some people, that we have such a frail and feeble president. Um, but the people who step in is apparently, apparently Ron Klain is chief of staff and Susan Rice, um, who one of your favorites, I know, in this audience, but a lot of Susan Rice fans in the audience, of course and uh, who runs his domestic policy council, but it just seems like sort of the uh, unofficial uh, semi-president some days. And they've been having to answer questions on how Joe Biden's agenda is getting passed and his approval approval is not going up. And why isn't his approval going up? Well, uh, maybe because they constantly lie to us and treat us like we're stupid. He doesn't have the guts to answer questions from the press that mostly should not be able to stump him because they want him to succeed. Uh, he sold something called the Inflation Reduction Act, which didn't reduce inflation because he thinks his people are stupid people. Remember how he talked about how we don't condescend to the audience at Breitbart I try not to do it on the show and we are not going to do it with our movies when we put those out. It's going to be, we're going to treat you with respect. Like there's not treating Americans with respect when you create something that is inflationary and calling it the Inflation Reduction Act. And what's in his agenda? It's more Obamacare and it's more green stuff, which the environmentalism is slowing down our economy and making people pay more at the pump. And then they all won a participation trophy because the record gas prices are now just below a record. I mean, I'm still filling up way over 100 bucks. So it's just not that great of a time. And we're supposed to give them some sort of a reward. Um, but that was interesting to, have, to see them field those questions uh, a little bit over the weekend. But uh, Big Joey's out for a bit. Let's see. If, let's see. I bet he'll come back rip roaring to go, raring to go. He's spending five hundred thousand dollars to build a wall. That sounds good. Oh, around his vacation home. Interesting. So, oh, that's where the wall's going to be around his vacation. But I thought walls don't work. Walls don't work. You just, hey, you show me a wall. You show me a 10-foot wall. I'll show you an 11-foot ladder. Boom. How about that talking point? Um, but apparently they work around around people's homes. I thought so. I thought they did. That's what I'm saying about the lying to the public, which is just infuriating, is that we these people were obsessed, the Democrats, with not building a wall to secure our country. And now we've got a uh, guy, President of the United States, who's supposed to be a man of the people whose uh, vacation home is getting a $500,000 wall built around it. I wonder how he got that money. I'd like to talk to Hunter about it, and we're gonna have to start uh, reaching out to Hunter for interviews, guys. Border crossers rewarded healthcare and free cell phones upon arrival in New York City. 
New York City is enrolling over 1,000 young border crossers in public schools, even though the classrooms are overcrowded. So enjoy that with your uh, 60% in taxes some of you are paying out in New York. Your public schools are going to get a bunch more illegal aliens in it. Nice. All right. So I do think this is some of this is why there's some favorable, more favorable polling news for Republicans. Um, there is a poll out of Carrollton polling that's showing J.D. Vance opening a huge lead over Tim Ryan in Ohio. Now, I would not, I would not take that one to the bank yet. So those of you who are in Ohio and those of you who listen to this show, I don't want to give you a false sense that that one's a done deal because... You guys know that J.D. is regular on this program, and I, I think he's an ultra-talented politician. And I feel like Breitbart and Ohio, we get each other. But that said, don't get cocky here. It's just never, you never can, because uh, the Democrats come up with creative ways to win elections, to put it mildly. Even Dr. Oz is narrowing the gap in Pennsylvania, which makes sense to me, because John Fetterman uh, doesn't seem well. We played clips of him, which were truly alarming and disturbing last week. And Fetterman holds these radical positions, not to mention that people got to know that he was kind of full of crap with his uh, blue collar guy routine. He had a degree from Harvard and uh, he lived off his parents into his mid 40s. So the blue collar stuff is is not great for him. Also chasing an unarmed black jogger um, and pulling a shotgun on him uh, reeks of hypocrisy. Not to say that the the that not to say that alone is disqualifying, but it's the hypocrisy that is constant with this guy, over and over again. Very irritating. And I thought I was going to be very impressed by him as a politician when he got to the national level, Fetterman, and I have not been at all. And he's got a record for uh, soft on crime stuff. Another one that soft on crime, unless he's the one chasing down unarmed black people, I guess. He pushed for safe heroin injections in 2018, despite my uh, huge levels of skepticism about Dr. Oz. Um, when you have a guy who says that Pennsylvania prisons, lessening the population in the prisons by a third would make people less safe, which Fetterman said, it does make you think, well, we can't really, it's going to be hard to get behind this guy. Americans are 74% say the country on the wrong track according to a MSNBC poll that came out over the weekend as well. And that is probably not a shock to a lot of you. Not a lot of shock to me. Uh, people were really blown away by this. Raising a child costs $300,000 now. A detail the Wall Street Journal put out. 310000 to raise a child in today's economy. 18271 per year for a, uh, I guess, zero to 18. Um, I'm sorry, that was that was when it was at 2015. Now it's 26,000. So it's gone up by over a third. And I was kind of relieved at that number. I was thinking, man, I only got to come up with an extra 310 to raise all my kids. I mean, times three, it's almost like a million, but it just feels like, a, it's, it feels to me like it's a million dollars a year to have a kid, but worth it. That's how I conceptualize it, which is which is tough because I don't I don't make anything near that amount. So I don't think the, the math is a little fuzzy in my head. But it, this is a big discouragement, obviously, to have families. 
and it is the Biden inflation hurts. And this is a downstream effect of it and why inflation and a poor economy and us prioritizing green crap instead of thriving has moral implications to it because people see this stuff and they think, well, where am I going to get 310 grand to have a kid, especially uh, where am I going to get um, 620 grand of two? It is a lot of people do not have that in their uh, in their, their earning projections over the next decade or two. And this is what's making people my age and younger feels like not have as many kids, though. I think there is somewhat of a blowback. I've got a lot of friends now in their 30s who have three or four kids, and it just seems to be a newer thing. Maybe I'm wrong, but I want to get the latest date on that. I, I do think there's some people are pushing back. All right, um, let's see. Before I woke update, I will note that Joe Biden has so far not gotten Brittany Griner back, the person who got busted for pot, NBA, WNBA star trapped in Russia and serving a pot sentence. And uh, Dennis Rodman's going to go over there and go try to try to get her back. It's a, that's our back-to-back shows with <laughs> back-to-back shows with Rodman references. Who would have called that? I was talking about Rodman wearing a dress was a producer Zach's observation, which we're supposed to congratulate uh, this this uh, pop star, Bad Bunny, for wearing a dress. Just it's so cliche. Rodman was doing this so long ago. Anyway, but he's going to go get Brittany Griner back, which I'm excited about. That is the proverbial win-win. It doesn't matter what happens. It's going to be entertaining for Rodman to do that. Okay, here it is, our woke update. University of Virginia newspaper calls to remove Thomas Jefferson saying buildings must be remained and memorials removed. You might recall, he's not just one of our founding fathers, but he founded the University of Virginia. And I believe, and I'm far from a historian, I'm sure some of you in the audience know this better than I do, uh, but I believe Jefferson regarded that as his biggest accomplishment was founding the University of Virginia. If not, it's gotta be up there. But I think that was literally his favorite thing he did. And uh, the cancellation must go on. Not enough to be the founder of the university and, and one of the one of the founders of the country itself. A, tra- a, a trans golfer has stacked up wins against females in uh, and, and inching towards qualifying in the LPGA. How, how cool is that? So women's pro golf is one step closer to having a actual man compete in the LPGA. Someone named Haley Davidson who uh, was born a man and lived much of his life as a man, is uh, reportedly shot a 70 in the first stage of the LPGA at Epson Tour qualifying at a Shadow Ridge Golf Club in Palm Desert, California. Of course, I played. I did shoot in the 80s there, so I did, I did not. I don't think I would have qualified that day. But I played from the back tees. I played for the men's tees. They play him for the, for the ladies' tees, even though he's a guy. That's not good. That's true. But anyway, uh, he's advancing through ladies qualifying. And it'd be interesting to see if PGA, they do about LPGA. Are they the same? They probably are. Got to have some, some branding that's the same. But I'll be following this one closely. Um, it's it, it, some of this stuff. I, I almost want to see this play out more just, just to see how far the trans stuff is going to go before we all throw up our hands and say, all right, that's enough. That's enough. Maybe this is it, but more likely it's not more likely it just goes on. And then we start having trans people 
meaning men competing in the LPGA. Are you proud of your country? Tough some days. Congressman Greg Murphy is on the line because I think one of the uh, more committed conservative America first Republicans in the Congress, but also a medical doctor who tends to not shoot from the hip and tries to, I think, take a real disciplined approach to his positions and generally backs everything up with a lot of thought and facts. And I enjoy that very much. Uh, I like the people who can get into the granularity, but also kind of get the big picture stuff as well, which is more rare than you think. So let's hear the interview. Congressman, great to have you back on. I'm going to ask, as I always do, a couple of medical questions and then a couple of policy questions. Um, I want to get your thoughts on monkeypox because monkeypox seems like there was a really... Uh, people did not want to say what appeared to be happening, which is it was mostly being transmitted through gay sex. And no one wanted to say that because I guess you're not supposed to say that for whatever woke PC reason, even though by not saying it, I think it does make gay populations more vulnerable. Um, and then we learned the Biden administration was totally unprepared for it and it's expanding. It's getting worse. And it also now seems as though there there is some pretty significant transmission through other means, but it's hard to get a straight answer on this. I don't think the media really wants to tell the story of how the government fell asleep on this one to some degree. Uh, so I, I kind of want to know what you think is essential on this topic at the moment. Yeah, Alex, it is. Uh, it's a perfect example of how uh, politics have taken over medical science. This is a perfect example. And, you know, you remember when Trump was in office and everybody was saying, quote, follow the science, follow science. Yes, of course. And when Biden took off, it, it just got thrown to the wind. This is a perfect example of how epidemiology could have helped us two yes. plus months ago, because at that point in time, 98 percent of the transmission was from gay men to at least bisexual men, but it was it was it was gay male sex. That was just a fact. It's just a fact. It's like uh, any other thing. Cancer kills. It's it's like a, it's a, it was a fact. But the administration put politics before uh, medical care. Put politics before science. Didn't want to say much of about it, and would have could have very well quarantined and kept this in uh, in in uh, in check. But no, it's spread out now to the fact that I believe. Last count was close to about 15 kids had had this. Now, wow. uh, it is altogether a different virus than COVID. It is transmissibility is by contact, and it's not easy contact either. It's, uh, it's, it's fairly rigorous contact, but still, it's contact. It's not aerosolized unless it's in droplets already. And so there is some treatment for it. There are some vaccines for it. But this is a perfect example, as you point out. The media doesn't want to say anything about this. You know, the, the mainstream media, Alex, I just shake my head because they're complicit um, with so much of what is going on with this country. They're complicit in actually accentuating it. But here's a perfect example of politics taking over medicine. Yeah, it feels like it. I think you're right about this. And I'll tell you that there was um, uh, th there was multiple people that reached out who are gay individuals and they are not supportive, I think, of Joe Biden's politics. And I think that they saw that this was happening, that this was going to expand and explode in a major way, the monkeypox crisis we're in, and people wanted to get the vaccine and they couldn't get it. There was not 
access to it. And it wasn't anywhere in the media that I could find. And we started to do our best to start doing some reporting on it at Breitbart. But as you can imagine, Congressman, it's it's harder to report on medical science issues than just about any other issue these days because you get anything wrong. In fact, even if you get some things right that go against whatever is being put out by the CDC, et cetera, then you're going to get censored from social media and it's going to do a lot of harm to our business. It makes this stuff very complicated yeah. and it means that some people who are irresponsible and agenda driven are in control of the narratives and people are suffering for from it. This thing could have been reined in a lot more easily, but it's sort of a tough story to tell. I'd agree. And, you know, actually, you know, I'm not sure. I've been kind of at odds with Dr. Walensky at the CDC ever since she put out the uh, American Teachers Federation, you know, plea about classroom uh, mask wearing and everything else verbatim, verbatim. And then she comes out last week and says, um, we really need to get the politics out of medicine. And so, I mean, really, really, you're a little bit too late. So it is. It's, it's too late because the American people now have lost trust in the CDC. They've lost trust in the FDA. Now they've surely lost trust in the FBI and the DOJ. And it's just really sad that the Biden administration has politicized all these agencies and the trust of the American people has has, has just faltered in them. And it's a, it's a real tragedy. And who, who benefits? China, Russia, North Korea. That's who benefits. Um, speaking of, where are we at in the coronavirus? Because last I checked, Congressman, we were in a pandemic and uh, the numbers are still not great. A lot of people are getting coronavirus still. I don't think we're in the novel virus phase anymore. But if you look at the seven-day rolling average of cases, which I don't think are being tracked really very well at this point, we're uh, maybe at about two-thirds of what we were at this time last year. Uh, the death rate is about half of what it was at this time last year, which is, these are high numbers. And uh, again, and I don't think people are tracking it as much as they were. So it's a, and we hear almost nothing now from the medical establishment. They put Fauci on the bench. Uh, Walensky seems to be on the bench for the most part. We're not hearing from them very much. It, it, there seems to be no fresh studies on which therapeutics or, or how the vaccines are performing against the latest variants. It's very hard to know what's going on. And uh, do you have any insight here? Yeah, it, it is essentially in its endemic phase where it is out there. And, you know, we, we knew this over a year ago that it was not going to be going away. Um, vaccinations can help. They can help severity of disease. They're really not doing anything for transmission. I personally think these paper masks um, that we wear don't do a damn thing. Um, and uh, it's going to be here. There are treatments. There are fewer people by far dying because there is medication that can be done. But it's not going away. And the sad thing is, Alex, now, Biden won't take the public health emergency away. Even in North Carolina, even our Democratic governor finally has taken away his emergency powers. But Biden won't take it away for political reasons. And the reasons of this is, as long as the uh, nation is in a, quote, public health emergency, states are not allowed to audit their Medicaid rolls. So right now we have millions and millions of people on Medicaid in this country who should not be eligible to the fact that the point that almost one in four Americans today is on Medicaid. They're doing wow. it again for political purposes. And, you know, I've never seen a more political administration than the Biden administration in trying to do what is good politically for them, but not good for the country. So, um, you know, we should be out of the public health emergency and moving onward to actually other diseases that are causing death in this country and reset. It's not going away. We need to take care of it. 
and those who uh, are at risk should be vaccinated. We've critically injured our military to the tune we were 40,000 recruits down. We're kicking 19-year-old, I mean, 19-year veteran pilots out of the Air Force and the Marine Corps uh, because they won't get vaccinated. It's absolutely an asinine way to deal with this. You know what you said on this show, uh, by the way, we're referring to coronavirus and I want to change to policy, but you said on this show, it was in May of 2020 uh, that you came on and you said that instead of running from it, referring to the virus, I think we should learn to live with it. This is what every smart doctor told me uh, at that time. And none of those were the ones who were put out on CNN, MSNBC. It was uh, only the people who were uh, had some sort of it fit neatly into some sort of a tribe and that was not welcome and then now here we are we're basically learning to live with it but we never had a discussion about it we just we just changed and we're just gonna now we're in the learn to live with it phase it's just because that's where the the where the public is mentally now not because the science changed radically but because the public's perception of what to do changed because everything we were told didn't really work out perfectly and i just find that to be very uh, interesting that we ignored a valid viewpoint it was barely discussed did you find that you were able to get that viewpoint aired in the early stage of the pandemic even the first year and a half of the pandemic that maybe we should start trying to consider learning to live with this thing well, it was my sermon um, on every uh, on every occasion I, I could use it because you know we we found Alex that you know it was a very good study out of Johns Hopkins Professor Hankey did that um, that showed all the lockdowns all the other things we did only changed the death rate about 0.1 percent and Alex what we have seen is a skyrocket in mental depression substance abuse teenage suicide. All of these things that have gone on to it, people losing their jobs, becoming depressed, uh, committing suicide, so many of the deleterious effects that occurred because of what we did rather than from COVID itself. Yes, we were balancing balls while the whole time, and I get it. I get it. I get it. But we overshot this entire thing so much, so much that it created such a uh, such a problem with our country. People not going to the doctors, not getting their screening, showing up later with much more advanced um, stages of cancer or heart disease. The number of people that died from heart attacks um, skyrocketed during those lockdown periods because people weren't allowed to see the doctor. So I think we did a great injustice. And if we can just learn from that, but no, some of the California schools still are forcing their kids to get vaccinated, which by the way, under the underage 18 group, I'm not there. I'm not there at, at, at having those kids vaccinated unless they have a pre-morbid condition. And the ones who have been affected in this country, 40% have significant pre-morbid conditions um, who have had uh, severe effects from this virus and kids under age 18. So, you know, again, that's a parental decision, but I'm surely not there for mandatory vaccination for children going into school. You know, and it's, it's something I'm very heartened by, which is, I think, an ancillary point to this, is that it does seems like neither is the public. I, I don't think I know anyone. In my, oh, no, I, I I can think of one family in my life, and I have young kids, so there's lots of families in my life who I know got their kids the shots. And, you know, we've talked about this many times in the show. I, I've generally been pro the, the mRNA shots for adults, uh, particularly overweight ones and older ones, but I don't know anyone who's getting it for the kids. And I think that's a huge rebuke of the public health authority which I find to be incredibly refreshing right now. Yeah. Well, I, I've known some, Alex, and, uh, you know, some been on social media that they were – That I mean, I remember seeing one family in Washington 
in the Washington, D.C. area that had literally cloistered their entire family, two young adults and two young wow. children for two years. I mean, this is, this, this is you know, mind-boggling. And um, they were so excited to be able to go get their vaccine and let their kids go out again. I mean, it just it was it was such a brainwash um, that it happened to those individuals. And, uh, you know, you can't you can't uh, stop running from this stuff. You have to live life and and not uh, not be afraid for what's going moving forward. We have so much better medicines now. Yeah, Um, it it is the folks with pre-morbid conditions, um, by and large, that have been affected by this, the elderly. And we just didn't treat it that way. Yeah, exactly right. And it's such a such a shame. Congressman Greg Murphy's with the Republican from North Carolina. All right, let's talk. Uh, let's let's pivot towards what your work is in Washington right now. And I want to talk uh, by way of segue. Let's talk about Medicare. Uh, you put out a document showing the Democrats are robbing from Medicare to fund the Green New Deal policies. Uh, the the Inflation Reduction Act, of course, was a lie. This is Biden's agenda. It's just slightly stripped down um, because Manchin wouldn't sign off on it at, at the build back better level. So we're just calling it Inflation Reduction Act. And, it's, you know, two thirds of the Biden agenda basically is in there. Uh, but explain to me how we're robbing from Medicare to fund the Green New Deal. All right. So, let me. you know, everybody, there is consensus, Alex, that drug prices cost too much, without a doubt. There's also a very well-established fact that the United States um, has the, the most expensive drugs in the world, but also the ones that care that can take care of, of diseases the most. You know, if, if you look at the formulary in Greece, the people of Greece are only have access to about 36% of the medicines that we have access to in this country. So that's so much limited medicine. But let me explain a few types of practices and private practices, oncologists, cancer doctors, rheumatologist, anybody who does a lot of infusion work or injection work, we're allowed. Now, I give prostate cancer drugs, and those drugs, let me just show you for an example, um, if a drug costs $1,000 for prostate cancer and injection, I'm allowed to earn 6% on that, to charge 6% for my costs, for my staff, et cetera. So for every $1,000 drug, you get $60. So now if the one single person, the, the HHS secretary, could go in and say that thousand dollar drug is now two hundred dollars. That physician makes goes from sixty to twelve dollars. Well, what do you think about that? So let's just think about it. The oncologists, the cancer doctors, about forty percent of their income because seeing patients on Medicare and vast majority of cancer patients are on Medicare. Seeing patients, these EMM codes that we get paid by Medicare, do not pay the bills. Do not pay the bills. They do not pay for the cost of medicine. So they have to offset that somehow by making that 6% on those cancer drugs. Well, I said, okay, let's drop the price of the drugs, but let's not hurt the doctors in the meanwhile. But no, the, Amer- the uh, Democrats, because I'm a Republican, would not do that. So this effectively will cut the income of cancer doctors anywhere from 40 to, 40 to 48%. The same thing with rheumatologists, those who deal with severe arthritis and those things. And they will literally, you can't, you can't have your pay cut 50%. 40%, you go out of business. So either they will retire, and we have too few doctors anyway, or they will have to go into be assimilated by a hospital system where the cost of care is always so much more. So, you know, I tried to say, hey, guys, look, we all want to bring down the cost of medicines. I agree with it. But don't hurt the doctors, the doctors who are taking care of the patients in doing so. So now moving forward, we won't have the number of medicines in the future to try to care to cure people. And also, we probably won't have the doctors to do it either. 
Uh, is this is something that I've discussed a lot with with family members. It just feels like we're always on the brink of not having enough doctors. I just know that I've never met a doctor who doesn't feel like they aren't overworked. Uh, I don't. It feels like all the programs are stretched very thin, and it's very expensive to train doctors and. Uh, do you feel like there's an adequate amount of time and resources spent on this and instead we're just trying to uh it's it seems like we're we're hamstringing the the profession in a lot of ways well we are uh alex and let me tell you there's a great thought here and now i'm very much of a team medicine approach but there always has to be a quarterback to a team and that is a physician you know we have our nurse practitioners our physician assistants our our other allied health individuals yeah. which are fantastic team members but there's a so much push now um, to have what they call mid-level providers everywhere. Well, I'm sorry. You know, you bust your butt in high school, you bust your butt in uh, undergrad, and then in medical school, and then in residency. You have such a far amount of greater training as a physician than you do as one of these mid-level providers. And that's, you know, they give good care, but that's not the quality and the expertise of the specialized care that a physician does. And so it's watering down our system. Um, and, you know, I think this is what the Biden administration and the left wants. They want a, uh, a Britain type of health care system where, um, you know, if you're 65 and your kidneys are failing, well, too bad for you. Um, yeah. And that type of system, it's a it's a Medicare for all, which is a diluted, diluted system um, of health care. Yeah. And it just feels like, again, the theme of these conversations is are we talking about the right stuff. And you know, I was just talking pretty recently. I don't think she'd mind me saying this to my wife, who's a physician. She's in her training. She's in a fellowship program. And she had her annual um, powwow with her program to see what people, you know, strengths and weaknesses of the program. And, you know, I, the, the consensus is there's too much to do. There's just too much to do. Like there's too many things that need to be done. And it would be nice if there were more people around to do these things. And I've noticed also that it just feels like more often um, than I think I anticipated. Uh, she's a, 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 a training as a, a oncology fellow and that it seems like some of the patients are maybe younger that she discusses that than I anticipated. And I just wonder if some of this is related to the fear of going to the doctor that took place during the pandemic, which was not adequately yep. discussed. It just, it was, yep. the, you, you catch cancer later, it's going to get worse. If you catch it quick, it's generally super, super, super high survivability rate at this point in even pediatric cancer, which was killing, you know, if you get got cancer as a kid 60 years ago, it was like a 95% death sentence. Now it's the, the inverse, but you got to catch it. You got to catch this stuff and you're not going to catch it if you're afraid of going to the hospital because of coronavirus. Well, a lot of the uh, I have a buddy of mine who's in uh, charge of a big cancer lab. Um, uh, I better not say at the medical school, but his uh, entire lab was taken over for COVID, and he was doing really groundbreaking research um, on pediatric cancers. Uh, and so, his entire lab was gone to take over COVID. Yes, you know maybe that was needed to be at at the beginning. Yes and no. I think obviously we didn't know what we were doing right there at the beginning. But we've fallen back. We've really, really hurt ourselves. And to your point, um, people are afraid, and uh, they didn't go to the doctor. And you know, I personally have seen so many people who've come in the can with cancers over the last six months, because I still see people two or three days a, a month um, that uh, should have been diagnosed a year plus ago, and uh, they do come at later stages, which is one much more expensive to treat, and two has a less uh, less survival rate. Um, yeah. So you know. 
we, we've just let politics take over medicine. And honestly, medicine at the highest stages now has gotten all woke, um, especially in medical schools, which is very, very bothersome to look at some of the curriculum that they're teaching. Yeah, exactly. Congressman Greg Murphy, again, is my guest. Uh, let's change focus a little bit to stuff that not not medical related, but also the work of what's happening in the Congress right now. Um, I want to talk about the the uh, uh, IRS plan that Biden has where he's uh, got uh, 87,000 new agents to grab Americans by the ankles and shake them upside down until all the pennies fall out of their pockets, I guess. Um, but he says he's only going to target the wealthy, um, but the there's nothing in the bills that suggests that it's going to be limited to that. He could target whoever he wants. And we all know that billionaires are very adept at getting out of the vast majority of the taxes that they owe. And I don't think that system is going to change just because you've got a few more bureaucrats in the IRS who are going to round up uh, your money. But uh, what do we think is going on here? And what do you what are your worst fears of what could become of this? Well, just like with other organizations, we saw that Obama uh, weaponized the IRS to go after conservatives. And now we're weaponizing the IRS. They have five million now new uh, rounds of ammunition. I will say this, you know, the, uh, the and just in, in objectivity, the IRS lost about 15 percent of its workforce in 2018. Now uh, we had when I'm because I'm on the House Ways and Means Committee, we had the commissioner come in. And, you know, pretty much the IRS didn't answer their phones for like six months during the pandemic. And now the, there's so many of the individuals that are still working from home to the, to the tune. We now have over 10 million uh, claims that have not been processed wow. from 2020, some from, 20, some from 2019. I get these from constituents all the time. They owe me money or they said I haven't filed and I have filed. And so we need, number one, to get the people at the IRS who are working back to work, back to the office to work. And two, they do need some help in processing these claims. But we don't need an army of new auditors that are going after the American people. And it's, it's absolute rubbish that they say they're not going to go after people who make under $400,000. In fact, uh, Ted Budd and I submitted an amendment to say, look, Okay, of these new people that you're saying in, they can't go after people who make under $400,000 or less. Well, that, of course, because we're Republican, that got thrown out. So, yeah, gird your loins. Um, these folks are coming. And as you point out, the fo- those folks, the billionaires, the 100 millionaires, they can hire lawyers and, and attorneys and everything to fight it. The average Joe, you can't. You can't. We just can't afford it, especially in this day of, uh, of out-of-control inflation. So, no, again... The Biden administration is weaponizing the the agencies of the American federal government to come after the American people one way or another. You know, it, it's so interesting because I was thinking about how, and I'm, I'm not a wealthy person, but I make enough money to have a small team around me and how much money I can save just by being able to afford to be able to have a good tax accountant and an attorney at the ready where I can ask them a question. And maybe it'll cost me a little bit to ask that question of them because I need a little bit of their time. But then I will save in the long run. Like, can I do this? Can I, can, can we do this to uh, minimize tax burden in some ways? And they'll give you flat out. You cannot do that. You can't do that. And just that, but it's a, I spent most of my life where 
I couldn't afford to, you know, talk to a tax attorney for five minutes. Like it's the, that would be totally out of budget. And that's the trick here is that now picture what Bill Gates is at his disposal and what all the richest people on the planet have. I mean, the the, the Tom Steyers of the world, the Jeff Bezos's of the world. These guys are professionals at gaming the tax system and they will never miss an opportunity to save a penny. Uh, and of course, they're going to go after uh, Americans who are normal Americans who are uh, have because again, what is this? Uh, this will be the last one for the day, Congressman, because I know I've been um, going long. But I want to I want to get your thoughts on this. Uh, why does the government need to know about six hundred dollar transactions out of your bank account, and what right do they have to know those things? Well, first of all, they don't. They don't, number one, need to know, and two, they don't have a right to know in that regard. And so it just literally, it, it, again, it's weaponizing the federal government against the American um, citizen. It's literally wanting to know everything you do and monitor this, monitor that. It, it's a scary time, Alex. Um, you know, I was having a good talk with my, a buddy of mine yesterday. I was out walking my dog, and we said, you know, is this the country that our grandfathers in World War II died for? No, it's not. You know, every expectation of one generation is that they, their children will come into a greater country. Well, right now, right now, my fear is that my children, who hopefully will have children someday, will come into a lesser country, one more divided, um, more restrictions, and, and the other things that are going on. And this is the pivotal point. This is the fulcrum of what's happened in this country. You know, Biden came in and he lied point blank to the American people that I'm going to be the great uniter, I'm going to bring people together, and in my opinion has been the most divisive president in the history of this nation. You know, he made Obama look like, you know, uh, a a kumbaya lord. And so um, it's a very, very challenging time. They've permeated our colleges and universities um, to just preach one line. There's There's no more respectful debate on college campuses. It's only you only hear one side of the story. And that goes straight to these chancellors and to these uh, presidents uh, for doing these things. So it's a challenging time. Um, and, you know, for them to know every, everything you make in your bank account and uh, register every gun you have, it's a very, very scary time. Yeah, it is. And uh, I think there's a big reason to be scared. But, hey, at least uh, next month we're going to get a unity summit where we're going to talk about hate crimes with Joe Biden. I'm sure that um, I'll, I'll, I'm sure he'll really uh, take issue with a lot of these crisis pregnancy centers and churches that have been targeted. I'm sure he's going to talk a lot about that. Yeah, or, and, the, uh, or the Supreme Court and everything else. I mean, absolutely. Right, exactly. exactly. And Congressman Murphy, really appreciate the time and come back soon. Great, Alex. Y'all have a great day. Thanks to producers Zach and Greg Eben and Robert Marlowe who helped me pick topics and all of you who tell people about our podcast, leave a five-star review. All that's very helpful. And we'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.